It is great to have you on the Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Joel and Howes, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. Today, we brought in ESPN College Game Day host, Reese Davis. Reese gives us a little insight on what it looks like balancing being out on the road for work and making family a priority. Take a listen. So, Reese, what's it like working with Pollock every week? Do you, do you want me joking around, or is this the serious part of the podcast? <laughs> a little bit of both, I guess. It's, yeah, we're we're live, so you do it, bro. I, I want to know so the it, real it's, deal. It's, uh, it's fantastic, uh, first of all. He's, he's as good a person as you think he is. No, I, t- I take that back. He's a better person than you even think he is. He's a tremendous teammate. He's, uh, he's gifted at what he does. I don't know if there's anybody in television that's better at seeing something once, breaking it down and making it make sense than, than David is. And plus he's just, you know, his energy is relentless and infectious. It's great to have him around. And I often refer to him as the little brother I never wanted, but (laughs) I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually thrilled that he's in my life because he, he is one guy who will not worry about being polite or hurting your feelings. Now, sometimes, in all honesty, he could work on that. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's not <laughs> he could work on that. But there are often there are other times that it's that it's vital and necessary for growth. And I'm I'm really I'm thrilled to be able to work with him every mm. week. He's a he he's an amazing dude. Well, we we know that we we love Davey, and it's an honor for us to have been such good friends for so long. Davey was telling me a while ago that you and he are accountability partners on the road. We, we are. And, uh, he's, he's probably more accountable than I sometimes, but you know, that, that's the thing. If you haven't, if you haven't spent any time in the word, if you're getting a little loose in your attitude and you see him, you know, you're like, all right, I better, I better check myself here. But yeah, we, uh, we, we do a lot of that. We talk a lot about, about family stuff. We talk about spiritual stuff. And, um, you know, I know that if I'm, I know that if I'm struggling with something or that if I've gotten out of sorts that, you know, he's the guy who can reel me back in. I, I pride myself on being unflappable on, uh, on TV. I've always used the, the story that if the light crashes down in front of me, I want to be the guy who takes my arm, pushes it to the side and says, we're going to get that cleaned up for you. Meanwhile, Stetson Bennett uh, working with his eye and just kind of keep going and make it not mm-hmm. a big deal. We had, we had something that was beyond our control happen at Kansas that, in all honesty, infuriated me. Infuriated me. And David was sitting beside me and because he knows me so well. I wasn't yelling and screaming, cursing at anybody, but... But he he knew <laughs> he knew because I was and he knew I was about to say something and probably two things. One, I would probably regret and it wouldn't be a very good reflection of who I want to be. And number two, well, you have on a microphone and it lives forever. You know, when when you say something, mm. maybe you don't want to. And he looked at me and sort of put his hand out very discreetly too, not to, you know, not so the other guys on the set would know, sort of put his hand and kind of nodded like, it's, it's fine. Didn't work the first time. I was still in the second time. He sort of reached out and said, we're good. We're good. And I was still mad about it, but it kept me in that moment from doing something that I would either regret 
almost certainly. Hopefully, I wouldn't have gone so far as to do something I would really had to apologize for, but it might have happened. And so I guess there's some accountability there, too, that I, that I can thank him for. And probably, I think it's the only time I've hosted game day for eight years and been at ESPN for, you know, 27 and a half or something, if my math is right. And that's the only, that, that's one of maybe two to three times that I've been, like, I, I just don't do that. That's not really in my nature. Uh, and two or three times that I've gotten really mad about it, and I have him to thank probably for keeping me from doing or saying something kind of stupid. Well, RD's kept my job from from me saying stupid things a lot of times. But where, where does that come from, Reese? Where does the unflappability, where does the... Um, where does your personality come from, you know, from, from growing up, from, from wherever? I, David, it, I think probably, even though my disposition in terms of um, emotions, empathy comes a lot from my mom, I think some of that, that stoicism and, and control comes from my dad. Um, my dad used to, I, I heard my dad uh, say two swear words, if you even want to call them that, since this is a, a Christian podcast, I won't say what they were, but they were the, they were the uh, uh, less acceptable term for a donkey. That, that's it. That's the only Which I believe is in the Bible. I, it is, actually. Come <laughs> to think of it. Yes. And uh, he referred to two people in my life as, as that. Never heard him swear. He wasn't, now he was a, he was a strong dude and he was fiery, but he didn't yell. He, um, you know, he would, sometimes it was worse. He would go completely stoic and silent for like days, but, you know, mm. but, uh, there was, there was no eruption. And if I had one, you know, or if I got out of sorts, I, I can remember all the way growing up, he would go, boy, there ain't no way to be. And that, that was it. <laughs> boy, that ain't no way to be. And I knew that, that meant that I wasn't behaving in the way that he wanted. And it was also really emphasized. We grew up uh, going to church all three times. The doors were open Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, didn't miss, you know, didn't miss Sunday school, all of those types of things that they did a much better job of with me than I did uh, with my kids. A little bit of a different environment in New England, so to speak. You know, still still good churches, but it's it's different culturally digress a little bit here but i think some of it comes from that and really being from a personality standpoint how he was and and how my mom was uh to a large degree and also the emphasis on you somebody is always watching you that you are an example whether you choose to be or not and if you're going to you know if you're going to be what you say you are then you have to you have to live it you can't just you can't just learn it. And uh, growing up in the Church of Christ, we learned it now. I mean, you know, we, we, we opened the book and we learned it. And, and that's a great thing. But there was a real emphasis at home, too, on uh, not that there wasn't in the church. But, I mean, those two things were not mutually exclusive, at least in the way I was brought up. So, Reese, you said you, you grew up going to church. When, when did you actually become a Christian? Was it early in life or later in life? Yeah, it was. I uh, in in Church of Christ where I was, we um, we you know it was you get to what we call the age of accountability, where you know right from wrong, you know what you should do. So I was I was thirteen, and I went you know I went forward at the at the invitation at the end of a Sunday morning service, and and was baptized right then. 
So that was, you know, I feel I'd always been, I guess, uh, in, in some, not in some respects, but I'd grown up in a Christian household. This was not a new thing to me, but that was, that was the moment I think of, of that I always looked to it was in September, uh, when I was 13 years old. And, you know, I, I hadn't, the funny thing was, was I hadn't talked to my mom and dad about it necessarily, maybe a little bit, um, because, you know, when some others would do it and, you know, my, my parents always told me, you'll know, you'll, you'll know when you feel called to do that. And so it was that Sunday morning into the sermon. I felt like it was, I felt like it was speaking to me. So I, that was, that was when I did it. So you became a Christian at age 13. Dave and I were talking earlier about different men who've discipled us or spoken into our lives or had an impact on us. Did you have any, any guys disciple you or speak into you or kind of guys that you looked up to spiritually? One of the, one of the great things that happened to me um, when I went to school at Alabama was before I left, um, the preacher at my church in Tuscumbia, the man who actually performed my baptism, was a man called Levi Sides. And uh, Brother Sides was at my house, like, um, I don't know, a few days before I left for school. And he said, when you get to Tuscaloosa, he said, I want you to look up at University Church, uh, a man called Buddy Bell. And mm -hmm. Buddy was the campus minister there. And he was really just getting a campus ministry program started in association with University Church. And Buddy had, uh, at a time, Levi had, had preached in Montgomery, and Buddy had gone to church there. And so I did that and started going to church there. And Buddy uh, put together a really dynamic uh, Christian ministry with the help of the Lord, obviously. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to suggest, you know, he did it all by himself, but right. your, the Lord used him in great ways there, and our ministry thrived and grew, and from the time I was a freshman, probably quintupled in size, mm -hmm. and I led Bible studies in the dorm uh, while I was at Alabama. I was part of, you know, we had a Monday night devotional where, you know, it was not uncommon to have, you know, 150, 200 students wow. uh, there in our uh you know, that, those were some of the bigger ones. It wasn't that way every week. But, um, you know, I think because of that, we had uh, retreats and prayer groups and, and you could, you know, accountability with one another. And, you know, I think Buddy uh, led that. But there were a great, great number of my fellow students and I that, you know, brothers in Christ, some guys that I still keep in touch with now. In fact, a couple of guys that, um, you know, it's it funny. One of them I roomed with my senior year. Another one I was just sort of friends with, but our friendship has grown as adults and parents a little more so. And, and we'll, we'll fire verses at each other and, and challenge each other now among the three of us. And, and that is the direct result of that time that we spent in, in the campus ministry at Alabama. And it's something that has, uh, you know, that has, has carried me forward. But I would say probably the most influential guy uh, you know, outside of my family in terms of my development and growth was Buddy. And he he actually came up, he, he said that when he tells the story, he has to be very careful with his uh, terminology and phraseology because there were times that he publicly said, you know, I married Reese Davis. And he said, no, 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 let me, let me, let me, I, I performed the ceremony. I said, yeah, I would, I would like it if you would clarify that in terms of the way you, you deliver that when you say that. But he came, he performed our wedding ceremony, and and he, he's been a, been a great friend since uh, since the day I, I set foot on campus in Alabama. All right, so he performed the wedding with you and Lee. And then what, what about with this podcast? We talk a ton about marriage. We talk a ton about parenting. We talk about you know, the best advice you'd give 
um, people. And so they can learn from mistakes and good things and bad things all together. What about marriage with you and Lee? You guys got a great marriage. I, I'm, I know I've seen that. You got a great relationship. Um, just like my wife, she doesn't like to come on the road either because it's boring as crap. But I, I've seen it uh, many a times. What, what would be the best? What, what's the best thing that happened to you guys? Or what's the best advice you'd have for, for other couples? Man, I, I, David, I struggle with this question because she has made it so easy. It's, um, you know, I hear all the time people talking about marriage being work. And, I, you know, Lee and I have talked about it a lot. It doesn't feel that way to us. And I, so I don't know how to answer the question about, you know, the putting the work in that people like to say. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or mocking at all. But we just don't feel that way. I think it's I think it's simply I think it's a situation where it's based in love. You're looking out for the other's best interest ahead of your own. But it, it I'm not gonna look, I'm not gonna say there aren't times that we don't, you know, disagree on something or look at things from a different perspective. But I, I think that our core value has been that we are willing to sacrifice for each other. And she, you know, she pretty much proved that from the day we got married because six weeks before our wedding and I was working in her hometown in Columbus, Georgia, a place she had lived basically her entire life. She had a great job. Uh, she was making more money than our general manager at the television station. She was an advertising executive and she was crushing it. And, but that's in television. You can't stay in what, well, I mean, you can if you choose to, but I, that was not my career goal to stay in Columbus, Georgia. And six weeks before our wedding, I took a job in Flint, Michigan. At Flint, Michigan. Now that was transformative for my career, but you didn't know that at the time. And she dropped everything and came. And I, I think that um, not not that there weren't some uh, uh, not that there weren't some uh, <laughs> moments of doubt on that from time to time. And on her part, by the way, about whether she wanted to do that. But when she did, I think that we have realized that we are in this together, and that this is a a joint partnership and we've done our best, not always successfully, but to put our kids first, um, their well-being anyway, while modeling for them that we were committed to each other. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I wish I could give you a real concise, um, advice piece of advice. I just don't know what it is because it hasn't been, at least for me, now if you had her on, she might say something different, but for me, it hasn't felt hard. You know, it's felt like just something that is natural and what what we want to do. Well, what about the parenting then? What about together? You know, I I know Christopher's been through uh, life threatening, serious stuff that that stressed you out like crazy. And what about what about that? What about that side of it then together? You know, I I think that pulls you together. Um, You know, it pulled I think I think it pulled the four of us. you know, together in a lot of ways, not, not just, you know, not just Lee and me, but I think it pulled all four of us together because you kind of, you kind of know that you've got each other's back no matter what. Right. And so I think putting the kids first and sacrificing for them and going through those trials and tribulations with them and kind of understanding the magnitude of it is, you know, it's something that it it creates a bond that you can't break. Right. And it makes you understand that in this life, if you've got somebody who's with you and sticks, sticks with you and has your back and will go through that with you, 
you've got, it's a real blessing. And the other thing that it does is that it, it makes you realize we've, David, all, all of us, we have great lives. You know, our, our new partner, Pat McAfee, you know, will often use the phrase, my life is just dumb. You know, sometimes, and he says that in a in a way that he's sort of overwhelmed by all the things he gets to do. I sort of feel that way sometimes too. And you have those moments where you you wouldn't bat an eye to trade it all in to make sure that those people around you are are okay. And if you can feel that way, then I feel like that's probably the the key to parenting. If you if you keep if you keep that first, you know, I, I hear people that we work with from time to time, David, struggling with, you know, there, there are times you're going to have to miss stuff. That's just the way it is, because part of being a good parent is not just being at everything, though that's important and you should try to do it. But part of being a good parent is modeling the responsibility of being a provider, especially for those of us who are men. Who are, who are leading our families and providing for our families. Part of it is modeling that responsibility and doing what is expected and not navigating around it. Now, if you can do both, great. You're going to miss some things. But when you're present, be present. Mm. Uh, you, you do an unbelievable job of that. I can guarantee you that when you're with Nicholas or Lear or even just spending time with you and Lindsay, now. Nah, you might be thinking about football, but you're not necessarily thinking about your job and you're thinking about them and you're thinking about that time. If you can do that and be present with your kids and not look at it like you're fulfilling an obligation until I can get back to whatever it is that I like to do, whether it's job or golf or fishing or hunting or whatever it might be, as long as you can be present and be 100% in, with whatever it is that they're wanting you to do in that moment. And I think that's the, I think that's the best thing while still modeling, um, while modeling the responsibility that maybe there will be times that you can't physically be there, but you're always there. With I got, I got to call BS real quick on you, bro, because why? For golf, what? hunting and fishing. What do you know about any of that? I don't, I don't know any of that. I don't know anything about any of that. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm saying whatever, whatever a person's hobby might be. I don't know yeah. anything about any of that. That is not Reese Davis's hobby, I can promise you. Just like me, I'm not going hobbies. hunting or fishing either. No, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, you know, this might surprise you a little bit, David. I do like to fish. I just don't do it. You know, I don't own any fishing gear, but like when I get an opportunity to go do it, I, I like really enjoy that. I like doing it. Um, but I don't have any hobbies. I'm, I'm as boring as the day is long. I mean, my hobby is probably, um, you know, my daughter and I, because, you know, as I've said, she's an actress. We'll, we'll watch things together and, and talk about, you know, she knows a lot more about it than I do, but I'll listen to her and engage and all of that. I, I throw batting practice, not very well anymore if I ever did, <laughs> but, uh, I throw batting practice, and now more likely when Christopher's home, I feed the machine. I love that. I, I love going to do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a boring dude, I guess, but you know, I, I don't have any, <clears throat> any of those outside hobbies. But for, but for people who do, I think sometimes there is, a, there is a little bit of a challenge. Oh, I've got to go to this, you know, the scouts meeting, or I've got to go to the soccer match, and, you know, I've got to, you know, I've got to tee time at whatever – that that's fine. You can balance everything. I'm not suggesting people should do it the way I do it. I'm just saying that, I mean, you're, you're a thousand percent, right. That's the way I've done it right or wrong. 
Reese, I love what you said about being present. As husbands and fathers, and we have a lot of guys who listen to the podcast who are, who are husbands and fathers, once you get married, your life is not your own. You mentioned sacrificing for your spouse. And then, then when you have kids, your life certainly is not your own. How, how have you been able to balance? A lot of guys travel for work. I know Davey travels every week. You travel every week. He travels every week almost all year round, too. I mean, he, he's because he goes straight from football to basketball. To basketball. But because I'm always like, thank you, Jesus, I'm done with this schedule. And he's like, yep, we start basketball next week. I'm like, sucks for you. <laughs> so what? Yes. Yeah, so Davey, once football's over, he's he's playing basketball. He, he's working out. He's and, and mostly pouring into the kids and the family. Yeah. How, how have you been able to balance the travel with being present? You know, when you are there, be present. But you mentioned you're going to have to miss some things and course as the husbands were the providers for the family as well so mm-hmm. I mean you may have already answered this question but when you said that I thought that could be something that someone could really take away from this it, it's it's a challenge but you know it's funny I I've asked my kids before if they felt badly because even before I did game day I might not have been traveling you know David and I called Thursday night games for a long time so I would travel on Thursday but I was in the studio for college football and for college basketball for a long time, even before college game day basketball started in 2005. I was in studio on Saturdays, basically from, you know, I would arrive there 10, 30, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning and I would come home. I would get home at like two or three in the morning on Sunday. So I might as well have been traveling on Saturdays and, you know, a little bit of a zombie on, on Sunday sometimes. But I asked my kids if they felt badly about that, and they they both said we kind of grew up with it. We were used to it, and a lot of things, uh, particularly before they started school, we would just do things on Monday and Tuesday that you know people might ordinary ordinary jobs might have you do on Saturday and Sunday. So I think that we adapted and adjusted pretty well, and um, just you know I I kind of grew up like this where. You know, my parents were around a lot and involved in, in certain ways. I, you know, my dad wasn't involved the way I was in terms of he didn't coach my teams, but he always came to my games. And, um, you know, so I, I was always just, just part of that as much as I could be. And uh, I, I, don't really, I don't really know the answer. Uh, I wish I could give you a, a concise answer about how, how I structured it, how I disciplined myself. But I think I just sort of felt as if that was the way I was supposed to do it. And, that, you know, I was supposed to be as involved as possible. And if I could manipulate things in my schedule to be able to be uh, certain places, you know, then then I would do that. And I would you know do what I could. The, the ones that I, there are a lot, you have a lot of regrets growing up. But I, I missed a few of um, of my daughter's, things early in in her life um you know various uh forgotten like daisies or something like that she was never really a girl scout but early on they had something there were some little things and they always scheduled them on friday nights in the winter now friday nights in the fall back then i could have pulled it off because you know i was uh, i was in bristol in the studio but in the winter i was traveling for game day basketball it was just getting started i was still early enough in my tenure at ESPN that, you know, you didn't really have the option. I think this goes back to what I was talking about earlier about modeling responsibility, but that still comes with some guilt. I, you know, I was, I would still feel just awful 
you know, on the Friday night when I'm in Lawrence, Kansas or in Durham, North Carolina. And, you know, my daughter, had, even the, the event might have just been an hour and a half, but it was, you know, it was important to her. But big things like, you know, recitals, um, uh, you know, piano, whether piano recitals, dance recitals, plays, whatever it was, I would move heaven and earth to make sure mm. that I was there for that because that was one of the things, depending on what your kids choose to pursue. Christopher's was different because when you play sports, there are a bunch of games, right? I mean, there's game and then there's another game later this week and then there's game next week and game, 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 game. And Elizabeth sacrificed a lot to have to go to a lot of that stuff. Whereas, you know, her events tended to be build, 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 build one big moment, you know? So if it's like that, then I, you know, I tried to manipulate my schedule, mm -hmm. but some of the day-to-day uh, Friday night school dances, uh, you know, those types of things that, that I missed, that I regret. And probably one of the best times we had was in eighth grade. Finally, there was a spring and it fell just right. And I was home off Friday night and we, you know, went to father-daughter dance in the lunchroom at, uh, you know, at um, Harbor Middle School in Burlington, Connecticut. And, you know, those types of memories are small things, but I think they're, they're important ones. And they're certainly better than me uh, thinking back on the things that I missed. Yeah. We also talk a ton about um, sports on this show. What about, you know, growing up, balancing, you know, what's really important for Christopher? You know, obviously he's still playing baseball and he played at Princeton, played at Duke, like had a great career. How did we come alongside of him? But how did we embrace his journey? Like what were the things you did to to keep God as a, as a focus with, with, with hit, with whatever's going on in his life, whatever's going on in you guys' life. I wish we'd done a better job of it. Um, I think because of the differences culturally in new England and that this is, don't want this misconstrued, uh, you know, some type of criticism. We have a great uh, congregation. We lived in Connecticut. Um, so, but it wasn't culturally the same. And, you know, there were, you know, there'd be random games, you know, starting right at Sunday afternoon, you'd like squeeze in church. And I'm not going to lie and tell you we didn't, you know, occasionally miss. You've done a great job of that. So one thing I wish we'd done better is say, you know what? Not, you know, just can't, just can't play this week. I wish we'd done, a, I wish we'd been a little more diligent in that at a young age. I realize there comes a time later on when maybe you have to adapt. And Lee, even uh, the, I spoke of the differences culturally. I would be working and there would be a lot of times because there was a Saturday night service, even for Protestants, <laughs> you know, here in New England. And she would take the kids on Saturday night. And, you know, I've wondered a lot of times did I model properly because I said, yeah, that's OK. You guys go ahead and go Saturday night. That way you can play, you know, he can play Sunday, you know, in this tournament game, whatever it might have been, you know, football game. Football was Sunday morning. And so there was a lot of when he was in Pee Wee football, there was a. Uh, uh, there was a lot of Saturday night service, and then he played football on Sunday mornings. And looking back at that, David, that is one thing that I would say I would probably uh, might have really been well served to say, you know what, you know, no, uh, you know, maybe maybe we just don't do that this year. Wait until find another league where you get older, whatever it might have been. And uh, because you, know, you I, realize I now, he, Reese, don't you? Like you realize that wouldn't have affected his journey for baseball, regardless. Right. None of, none of it would have affected any of it. But at the time, um, he wants to do it. So you want him to be able to pursue it. You you work into the situations where is he going to get the opportunity that he wants if, if we you know don't take this one and, and make the, 
sacrifices. We should have done a better job of that. I mean, I if there's one thing I could say to baseball dads, football dads, everything, I, I don't think it's meaningless at the young ages, but it's not as important. However important that you think it is right now, it's not that important. It's a little less than whatever it is that you think. And, you know, finding finding a balance there would have been better. Uh, would have been better, I think, for us completely. Now, thankfully, he's, you know, I think he's a, you know, strong-willed. He's devout. It hasn't impacted his journey. But he, he wasn't he wasn't involved with the, the group there the way my daughter was coming up because her schedule, you know, was a little more conducive to it. He, he found it in different ways. He found when he was in high school, you know, there was a, a Christian group and he was part of Bible studies on campus at Avon Old Farms, which is the boys' school where he went, um, went to high school. He's been involved in, you know, in various Bible studies and campus ministries and, uh, and even his, uh, his indie ball team. Uh, this summer had, uh, you know, had um, devotions and groups and Bible studies and chapels and things like that. And he was really, you know, he was involved in that. And I'm, and I'm proud of that. But I think I could have, uh, you know, I think I think it would have been better for all of us. You know, not that it's been detrimental to his spiritual walk or growth or anything uh, as it stands right now. But I just think it would have been better messaging and better for all of us in terms of balance and perspective to be able to to say sometimes you say no to some things you you want to do uh in order to do these other things which you will find in the long run prove to be more beneficial that's a great word we i know that's a huge struggle for christian families because nowadays travel sports is so huge down here i'm not sure how it is in new england but in the south here in the atlanta area travel sports is huge and, and a lot of parents buy into this lie that if your kid doesn't play travel baseball, he's not going to be good enough to play on the high school baseball team. But I promise you, I know these high school baseball coaches, it doesn't matter whether they tra- played travel ball or not. If they've got the talent, if they have the God-given talent, they're going to be good enough to play Just in like high if school. your kid plays in a youth league team growing up, all growing up in their North Oconee Titans, and somebody moves in from Grayson, who's a four- or five-star kid, guess what your kid will be doing? Guess what Nicholas will be doing? <laughs> He'll be sitting his butt on the pine watching that guy play. You know, like, mm-hmm. there, is no, there is no guarantee with that, like, regardless. But there is a guarantee that, um, like Reese said, I like that you can, you can teach them things that 100% will be in their future, that will be a part <laughs> of their lives, that will be um, helping them in decision-making throughout college as a young adult, as an adult, as a parent, as a grandparent, all those decisions. And I think, it, to- you know, it's, it, it's a tough thing because we were part of, um, because I, I understand where the parents come from in that. And I know the baseball world, I know the football world from covering it. And I know the, the baseball world from living it. Um, he played in the Atlanta area two summers for the East Cobb Astros. And it certainly, it certainly, now, it turns out that he was uh, a class. He wasn't older, but he was a class ahead of a lot of people, so that did impact his recruiting. But he, it, it changed things. you know. So I understand where parents are coming from uh, on it in terms of getting the exposure. But I think that by the time we were talking, he was headed toward his senior year in high school. And I think what we're talking about more is like when you're in that um, junior high, headed to high school range that maybe it's not – 
uh, not as be all end all as you think it is, uh, you know, in that particular moment. Later on, it can be beneficial, and you've got to you've got to find the balance on it and not make it uh, the number one thing. But I understand I understand the draw for the parents, especially as their kids get older. They want to put them in the best spot, you know, put them against the best competition to give them. A- an opportunity to shine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a good thing, actually, as long as it is, uh, as long as it is held in the right perspective. Yeah. Well, Reese, we, Davey and I were talking earlier this morning about some of our, our favorite Bible verses and how certain verses, when we read them, they remind us of significant events in our lives. We also talk about some of our favorite Bible stories. You have you have a favorite Bible verse or a favorite Bible story that you would like to share with us? Well, you know, there, I mean, there are a number of stories. I think anything that, you know, reminds us of our, of our place, um, and, and what Jesus has done for us is, uh, is meaningful, but I'm pulling up my, cause I want to make sure I quote it accurately. I, I wear a bracelet most of the time that has first Peter five ten on it. It says after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Um, you know, I, I, that one's meaningful to me for a number of reasons because it's, you know, it's talking about when our faith is tested by things that happen in our lives, right? Mm. And that was a that was a verse that um, my daughter put on a bracelet after my son was injured. You know, and that, that's one that, um, you know, that always comes to mind for me that no matter what your circumstances in life, that you have, you have God's power there ready to strengthen, confirm, and reestablish you no matter what the circumstances are. Mm. That's a powerful verse. I, I, I'm sure I've read that verse before, but I've, I've never seen it highlighted like that. And I think yeah. that speaks to so many people because we've all been through challenging things and a lot of times our faith is challenged and if you haven't you're going to you're going to you're going to at some point i mean we've all as you get older you get smacked in the face at some point by something that you're not going to be able to handle Mm -hmm. and the only way you're going to get through it and the only way you're going to handle it is with help and that's going to be god because the people around you are great but they can't give you what he can give you they can't give you that peace that surpasses all understanding so we appreciate you, you, you sharing, to, RD. You have to accept. You have to accept in life that life is, life is inherently tragic, because we're fallen, and you know it's. I, I think that sometimes we get angry, or hurt, or discouraged when things bad in our lives happen. You are probably, you know, you're going to face disease, you're going to face injury, you're going to face uh, natural disaster, tragedy. All, that's a guarantee, man. That's a guarantee. That's happening. And, you know, so what? how do you react to it? You know, nobody goes through unscathed. I, I heard a, 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 a psychology guy that I, that I talked to, or not that I talked to, but I listened to a lot, and um, a clinical psychologist who talked about, and I hope I'm not taking this off track too much, but he talked about the idea of looking at other people 
and thinking that they have it made. He said, maybe, you know, you run across a guy with, uh, you know, the a fancy Porsche and he's got a beautiful woman with him. And you think, man, that, that lucky dude, he's got it made. And, and he said, what you don't know is that maybe, you know, maybe you don't know what type of, uh, of uh, malfeasance or, or sin or problem he went into to have that relationship. You don't know what, uh, you know, what the woman's story that's with him is, you know, or what their relationship is. Maybe it's, you know, of a, of a bad, awful nature. And it could very well be that the guy driving the car is thinking about wrapping it around the next cement wall that he sees on purpose because he just can't take it anymore. No matter what you think of someone else's life and you think they've got it made, they never have any problems, it's a lie. Yep. Everybody has it. That's why everybody needs what you guys are trying to share with others because everybody has has tragedy and awful things that will happen to them because this world has fallen. It's not permanent. It's a temporary stopping place. And what you put your treasure into in the moment is what is going to serve you for eternity. And if you put your treasure in trying to get that car and that relationship and that job and that money and this and that, then it's going to go away. It's going away. So you might as well figure out what it is that's going to endure, and that has to be the the direction that you give your family and the relationship, even before that, the relationship that you have with the Lord. Mm. Preach it. That's how you bring it home right there, baby. Reese, thank you so much for sharing uh, your life with us, for sharing your faith with us. I could tell you, you got emotional talking about your son's injury. I, I can't do it. David knows I, all these years. I, I don't know why. I, every, it's every time, and you know, I, don't, I don't know why. But I think it's incredible that your family is so close that when your son's going through this injury, your daughter gave, gave, gave you guys bracelets with that Bible verse on it. I think that speaks to uh, you and your wife raising your kids in a Christian home the faith that you've modeled for them. And so, you know, millions and millions of people watch you guys every Saturday, and I think it's so good for people to, to hear about your, your faith. You are a role model as a husband, a, a father, and as a Christian. And we appreciate you sharing, sharing with us today. It means a lot. Well, I try to be, uh, and I'm not even busting his chops, I try to be more like David, man, because he, he walks the walk. And uh, he's... I try to be a leader for him in some areas, but he, he's a leader for me and many, many others, and I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of that. Yeah, well, thank you for making me cry, too. I appreciate that. That was, that was needed. You're welcome. I don't do that enough. <sighs> thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I love how much First Peter 5.10 means to Reese and how emotional he gets talking about it. It says this, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Reese and his family clung on to that verse, and the Lord brought them out of a tough time with his son's injury. Let's teach our kids something that will 100% be in their future, the word of God. What verses do you cling on to when you're going through it or your faith is being tested? Do you and your family have a verse that you all know and have memorized? I encourage you today to seek out that scripture that you and your family can lean on and trust in together. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals podcast, and we'll catch you next week.